The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. We'll do a, just a few minutes of meditation, and we'll start by being a quiet, silent meditation for three, four minutes or so, and then I'll drop a question into the meditation for you to um, consider, and then we'll do another maybe five minutes, and then we'll end that short sitting and have a few closing words.
So I have <clears throat> two questions to offer you. The first is, how can your breathing be a good friend for you? How could your breathing become a better friend for you? And the second question is, how can you be a better friend for your breathing?
So one of the aspects of Dharma practice is shifting our relationship to everything, really. Shifting our relationship to ourselves, to the world around us. And one of those shifts can be um, uh, developing a friendly relationship to our life, to our world, to ourselves. And so to become a better friend for your breathing, to have a friendly relationship to it, and to attend to it as if it's um, an important part of you, an important part of life, important something of value and something to care for and tend to. And in return, the breathing will be your friend. The breathing will be supportive of you. And uh, it's been doing a very good job so far since it got you this far. And, uh, but it, it can offer a lot more than probably you realize. It's an amazing resource, amazing phenomena, this whole the, whole, the whole process of breathing mindfully, to be aware of your breathing. It's a phenomenal thing what it does to the mind, the heart, the body, and to the path of practice, to bring wisdom and understanding. And it's a fantastic thing. So to uh, shift your relationship towards your breathing and see if uh, having a friendly attitude towards it can help your breathing breathe easier. Have an easy breath. So those are my last words for today. As we have a couple of minutes, anybody else would like to have a last words, or last question? Came up over lunch today. Um, uh, regarding the phrase mental formations um, because some of us had thought in the past that mental formations were just just another word for thoughts or does it necessarily imply thoughts that one gets entangled with I mean you talked earlier today about the car noise versus the getting yeah. caught up in there shouldn't be car noise yeah, I think a mental formations can be any any thought is considered pretty much any thinking. It's involves mental activity, mental formations, and um, mental constructs. And uh, you, sometimes it includes other things besides thoughts, like intentions, volitional act, impulses. And uh, it's sometimes hard to <clears throat> put any. You know, sometimes it's hard to categorize emotions in Buddhist maps. So usually people put emotions into the mental formations category. But the mental formation that we're interested in here is the ones that we can relax. So the ones that tense up and get tight and constricted. Because the instructions are to know your mental formations. And as you know them, you'll know, you'll recognize where they're hung up or tight. Or, and then to relax the mental formations. And, um, but also mental formation can be agitated. And it's a relative agitation. So, um, you know, if you have a really busy, hairy day, <clears throat> it could be that, uh, you know, uh, going home and talking to a family member might be really relaxing. But, um, you know, if you've been talking to your family member nicely for 36 hours straight, it would be really nice to have quiet, you know, and to go to your room and just be alone. And that's... So things get quieter, it's nicer in the, in the context, relative, right? It's context. So same thing with the mind. Uh, it might seem like, you know, you might be at <clears throat> energy level 10, you know, in terms of agitation of thinking. <clears throat> you realize it's too much. 
Then you go home and you get down to energy level eight, and that feels really good. Like, well, this must be nirvana. But then you, it occurs to you to meditate, and you realize, oh, there's energy level four. This is really good. And this is even better, relaxing. And then, uh, but then you go off on a retreat, and you drop down to energy level two, and you say, wow, I didn't even know it was this possible. This is so peaceful. And then your meditation gets really, really deep. <clears throat> and then you, eventually you get down to energy level zero. And this is like the best. So mental formations have this energy behind it. They're, they're active or agitated. You don't even know, they're, you don't even recognize they're agitated <clears throat> because <clears throat> it might be the <clears throat> calmest you've ever been. But it's all relative. And you might at some point realize that there's calmer, stiller places to go. So, this, so one, of the, one of the descriptions of this fading away or this process of, gro- of growth and practice to freedom is the stilling of mental formations. They get quieter and stiller. That, I think that answers? Great. Thank you. I have a follow-up question to that, yeah. actually. So you said thoughts and emotions are included in mental formation. Well, where else are you going to put them? Oh, well, no, no, and that <laughs> yeah. makes sense. But um, So what those about pesky, things those like... Those pesky emotions. <laughs> <laughs> so things like views, attachment itself, entanglement. Well, if you're going to put them in the five aggregates, where else are you going to put them? <clears throat> Just wanted to clarify. I think it's kind of a catch-all for anything which is a mental activity that doesn't fit into the other five aggregates. So even things that are subtle, like uh, perception itself. Well, perception is an aggregate by itself, oh, right? right? Got it. Okay. Thank you. That gets its own category. Mm-hmm. Uh, some Western philosopher, and I don't remember who, I wish I'd written his name down, uh, I read once said, I think if I didn't have a body, I wouldn't feel any emotions. Right, William James said that. Oh, oh. I don't think he said exactly that way, but William yeah. James has said pretty much that, 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 uh, that emotions... Uh, um, part, you know, that's why, that's why emotions don't fit in there so easily because emotions are a composite. Uh, and they might look like a unitary thing to us from a distance because we usually live apart from emotions, you know, looking at them and look at them as kind of generalities. <clears throat> but emotions are made up of uh, multiple things coming together, working harmoniously. And so there's uh, physical aspects of them, there's uh, intentional, volitional aspects of them, there's reactive emotions, there's... Uh, um, thoughts and beliefs and all these things come together and create this nice package that we call an emotion. And um, so there's a lot to unpack there. So, yeah. So so, but without you know, but uh, pretty much pretty much every emotion will have some physical expression or aspect to it. Sometimes you have to be very quiet to see it. And and chances are yes, so like that it'd be hard to know you had an emotion if there wasn't some physical, you know, correlate to it. But uh, so I, I had another comment also. Uh, so you're uh, you asked two questions: How can my yeah. breath be a better friend to me, and how can I be a better breath to my friend? Like I was having a hard time separating the two. There's almost like the same thing. Good. But um, but uh, so the answer for me is uh, is to uh, figure out what gets in the way. Mm of noticing my breath. 
Nice. And uh, to let go of it. And what, so in other words, what drives the thoughts. Nice. So um, it's, it's my age-old wanting to be noticed uh-huh. and be loved and get credit. Uh-huh. And, um, and so uh, am I ready to give that up yet? Uh-huh. The, the short answer is no, but <laughs> so I'm not. And yet, then I, re- with on further thought, I realized, uh, yes, I am chipping away at that. Ah, so you're not quite, you're not quite as invested in them as before. Yeah. I would say yes, that's true. Mm, nice. So should I tell him that was a great comment, or should I not? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't care, Gil. Oh, good, good. <laughs> it was, it was great. Thank you. <laughs> so thank you all. So it was nice. So a couple of things to end. So as you know, uh, when we do, um, you know, everything we do here is done by volunteers, including caring for the center that we practice in. And it's a little bit by design. I think that it's an important part of maturing in the practice and developing the practice is to, when it works, to caretake the community you practice in, be, be a supporter of it. And so one way we do it here is we ask about seven, eight volunteers at the end of the day to tidy up. It takes about 10, 15 minutes cleaning the bathrooms and sweeping out there where we ate and vacuuming the floor and taking out the trash and checking the kitchen. We have seven, eight people who are willing to stay for a few minutes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Great. Great. So uh, Bill is the manager this afternoon. So if you want to check with him just to make sure that, you know, you're all spread out nicely, that's a nice thing to do. And the last thing is, um, it's my hope and I hope it's our, all our hope that whatever benefit we got from this day today, that we consider how we might uh, uh, share that uh, with others. Not by teaching them what you learned here, but uh, by uh, making their life a little bit easier and happier and freer and safer. May all beings live a safe life. Thank you. <laughs>